0: Chapter number 5, Galatians 5. And when you found your place, let's stand together. Galatians 5. And we'll jump right into the message tonight. And if you need an outline, you can raise your hand. Brother Sam's already got them ready to go. My man, Brother Sam. Galatians 5. And we're going to be in the final few verses of Galatians 5. And then we're going to switch gears next week and go into Galatians 6. But we're still talking about being filled with the Spirit here tonight. And we're going to look at the fruit... Of the Spirit perfect so Galatians 5 verses number 22 through 26 the Bible says but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the Spirit let us also walk in the Spirit let us not be desirous of vainglory provoking one another, envying one another. Thank you. You may be seated. So tonight we're going to look at what happens when we walk in the Spirit. Last week, Michael Mullinex preached at a great job about the fool, the simple, the scorner, and the wise. Two weeks ago, when we were last in this passage, we looked at the works of the flesh. Do you remember that? At what happens when we try to work this Christian life, work through life in our own power. And if you look again, look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and so forth. All bad things, and we see whenever we try to do whatever, God's work, our own work, our career, whatever, parenting, being a spouse in the flesh, whatever is in the flesh, that's what we get because in our flesh doesn't dwell any good thing. And then that's contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit. If you look in verse 16, we looked at this already before in another sermon. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Uh, In in the very end, let's see, um, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Those two verses are the only place where that exact phrase is mentioned, walk in the Spirit. The Bible mentions other ways. Similarly, Ephesians 5.18, it says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be Filled with the spirit. Now what does that mean? That, that, that contrast there in Ephesians 5.18 that's in your notes is on purpose. When somebody is drunk, they have surrendered their will over to the alcohol. How many stories have we heard where tragedy happened and then the next day the person doesn't remember doing anything, whether it's driving or, or some other domestic violence or something and yet they're still responsible for it. It's because they have surrendered their will over to the alcohol. By the way, you know a good way to never, ever get drunk? Don't ever drink, okay? I promise you, no one has ever gotten drunk who never had a sip. In fact, the Bible says to not even look at it. Over there in Proverbs uh, chapter number here, I jotted it down here. Proverbs twenty two thirty one. Look not upon the wine when it's red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. In your King James Bible, wine means any great product, jelly, anything, anything. And it says right here, when it's fermented, though, don't even look at it. You know, if you don't even look at it, you'll never touch it. You never touch it, you never sip it. If you never sip it, you never get drunk, okay? You won't have any regrets. So there's my little extra sermonette for you, okay? But just like when you're drunk, you have surrendered your will to the liquor, and you're not in control anymore, but you're still responsible, when you are filled with the Spirit, it means you've surrendered your will to God. Not what you feel like doing, the flesh, what it wants to do, but what the Lord wants you to do. That's being filled with the Spirit or walking in the Spirit. Now when you got saved, you've got the Holy Spirit. He is inside of you, but surrendering to the Spirit is a different matter, surrendering to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Okay, Um, have you ever struggled with self-control? Don't raise your hand, okay? I think everybody could say, I've struggled with self-control in some area, whether it's my attitude, where I'm um, something just as simple as appetite, or I've definitely been there. After, I've told you before, after nine o'clock, all bets are off. I'm eating everything that, that, that is in the pantry, and the refrigerator, as much as I possibly can. It's a dangerous time around my house to be a bite of food around that time, and I don't know self-control, but you know, if you look at something in your life that you need to conquer, I just need to exhibit discipline exhibit self-control, and I like those words, discipline and self-control, but really the only chance you have is to be filled with the Spirit. It, is it a little warm in here? Anybody feel a little warm? I'm seeing some yawning and some fanning. Would you mind just, yeah, making a little cooler? My man, thank you. I put it on 72, but I think maybe 71 is where we need to be at. So anyway, so uh, there's a big, big difference though, somebody who's trying to be self-controlled in the flesh and somebody who is walking in the Spirit. Um, All right, let me go here. Let's just start number one. I'll skip a couple things. Number one, when you walk in the spirit, walking in the spirit, number one, plants you in fertile soil. It plants you in fertile soil. So you can't make somebody walk with God. I have three kids. Here's Joy right here hanging out with Baylor. You guys having a good time. Uh, I, I have three excellent, wonderful, wonderful children, but I can't make them love God. I wish I could. I wish I could say, here's the rules for the house. You've got to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What I can do is plant them in fertile soil so I can keep certain influences away from them and, and you would be alarmed at how strict we are in our house. I think we have a fun house, uh, but you know, if something comes on TV that I just don't care for the attitude that person's talking to their parents, a cartoon, we're turning it off. And my will and Kara's will in our house is sovereign. We are the king and queen We don't need a reason, all right? Let's not watch that anymore, ever. And Joy's very good at remembering what we said and she'll keep track of it even if we forget. Uh, let's turn that song down. I don't like the attitude that you're having, listening to that and the little dance that it's producing. Uh, let's not do that. Hey, hey, when you're talking to your, you're talking to each other, don't don't use those kind of words. Let's let's be kind to each other. And we quote, be ye kind, and I'll do all I can, right, to plant them in fertile soil. They're in Miss Lynn's class in Sunday school and the nursery and they're here every single time we have church. And that would be the case if I were the pastor or the not or, or not, I guarantee you. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever, we're going to get them in church. And uh, Joy's in and a Christian school, and Noel's going to be as well. And uh, I want to keep them from certain things and put them in fertile soil. But I can't make the fruit grow. I can't make it happen. I uh, We had all these Easter lilies up here. And... I was about to throw them away after two weeks, but I thought, man, they're perennials. I was looking them up on my phone. They're so beautiful. Uh, what am I going to do with these? It was like a Tuesday that I was trying to figure out what to do. So I went home, and I dug up some ground and put them in there, and I watered. I tried to put them in, in good soil, and I'm hoping they'll come back next year, next Easter. We'll see a good memory of 2021 20, Easter. But I can't make it happen. I can water it. I can make sure they have sunlight and all so you understand what I'm saying. So you can't make good fruit produce in your life. You, you can't do it. You know what? You can't produce other Christians in your life by telling them, uh, Tathy said, let's pray for the lost. Absolutely. The best prayer request you can bring forward. Uh, you can't produce love, joy, peace, but you can make the soil fertile. You can abide in Christ. You can walk in the spirit and then he'll produce the fruit, right? I want my kids to live for God and walk for God. I'll do the best that I can, but ultimately they've got to make that decision. And I want to produce spiritual fruit in my own life, but ultimately the Holy Spirit has to do that. And I do that by inviting him in and surrendering my will to the Holy Spirit. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, it's fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, not fruits, because it's all or nothing. You don't cultivate love because you're, you're not doing very well on love. You cultivate walking in the Spirit, and that fruit will all be produced in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And I put a little... Uh, uh, um, description of each one of those in your notes so uh, that works out well so for sake of time we'll just read through them you can look at it later love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance and it says against such there is no law basically anything that there would never be a law against all of the good good things that will be produced in your life when you walk in the spirit if you're walking in the flesh not so Walking in the flesh gives you that bad list, verses 19 to 21. When you're walking in the Spirit, you get these things. So when you walk in the Spirit, you put yourself right there into fertile ground. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, thinking about our responsibility there to get in fertile ground, it says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible, meaning that if somebody is trying to get really good at something, they're going to practice. You get good at piano by practicing. You get good at running by getting out there and doing it by practicing. And they do it for a corruptible crown, for a medal, for certificate, whatever, but we an incorruptible. Verse 26, Paul writes, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Thinking about putting our kids in fertile soil, a Cambridge professor named Coleridge was once talking with a man who told him that he did not believe in giving little children any religious instruction whatsoever. His theory was that the child's mind should not be prejudiced in any direction, but when he came to years of discretion, he should be permitted to choose his religious opinions for himself. Coleridge said nothing, but after a while he asked his visitor if he would like to see his garden. The man said he would, and Coleridge took him out in the garden where only weeds were growing. The man looked at Coleridge in surprise and said, this is not a garden, there's nothing but weeds here. And he said, well, you see, I did not wish to infringe upon the liberty of the garden in any way. I was just giving the garden a chance to express itself and to choose its own production. And you've all heard the foolishness before, of like, well, I don't want to uh, kind of prejudice my child one way or another in religion. Man, what a dumb thing. What a, what a ridiculous, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. What a not intelligent thing, all right? What a foolish, foolish thing. Because someone's going to get the heart of your child. And it might as well be the truth of the word of God. You know, the world knows that if you can get the child early, then you've got the child. It made me think of a couple quotes. Karl Marx, the founder of communism, not a role model, I think you'd agree. He said, the education of all children from the moment that they can get along without a mother's care shall be in state institutions. Vladimir Lenin, who founded Soviet Russia, he said, he said, give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. And you know, those children it's so important talking about children and teachers and everything. You know, God God loves the children. We ought to love our children. We ought to do everything we can to protect that next generation to keep them pure and innocent and walking with God and loving God. And we have some great public school teachers. Devin's a public school teacher, the last of the Mohicans back there. I appreciate him and all the work that he does, and, and uh, Heather and, and Lynn and so many other people, family members that teach. And we got to pray for them because the, Satan is after the next generation. He is. And if you can get them when they're young, why do you think the public universities and all that are churning out such, such liberal propaganda all the time? Just get them when they're young. And we, we have got to do all we can for that next generation to get them in that fertile soil. And just like that, just like that, we have to get in the fertile soil of the Word of God and walking in the Spirit. Because the goal is a spiritual life. And a spiritual life is not something that we contrive, but it's something that God gives. So, walking in the Spirit, it puts yourself in fertile ground. Number two, it reflects your true condition. Now, what do I mean by that? Reflects your true condition. Did you know that you right now are a child of of God. If you're saved, if you're saved, I don't assume anything, but if you're born again, you're a child of God. You're a new creature. And that old man, that sinful nature, the power of that is gone. Now the presence is not gone. We still struggle with sin every day, don't we? That's why we die daily. But that presence of sin is still there, but you don't have to live under the power of sin. Have you ever seen a chicken get its head cut off, my soul, <laughs> it's traumatic. But when a chicken gets, get it, gets its head cut off, it, it's dead, but it flops around the barnyard for a little while, right? Now you wouldn't look at that chicken and say, well, look at that chicken, it's alive. No, it's like, it's, it's dead, but it's still got some power. It's still flopping around until that last nerve ending is dead. It's still gonna be flopping around. Well, you're kind of flopping around stage of life right now, okay? So when you're saved, that old man is dead, but it's still fl- it still flops around every day, doesn't it? And every day we've gotta to put to death that old man. That's what I mean when I say die to self. I'm not gonna pay any attention to this, it's not me. It's just not me. That's not my style. That's not who I am anymore. Did you ever have a, uh, maybe a homemade gift at Christmas time from an older relative that maybe didn't know you very well but felt obligated to make you something and as you hold up that crocheted Christmas sweater in the mirror once you get home, and it's about four sizes too big, you say to yourself, maybe I won't wear this because it's, it's just not me, right? It's not my style, right? Uh, and everyone's got their style, and, and I've used that a lot. Uh, that's just, it's not for me, that's not my style. Uh, when I was working at a restaurant for many years, for four years at a pizzeria, there was a lot of profanity. I'm talking every other word, profanity. And, Perverse stuff going by the way if somebody uses a lot of profanity. They're pretty ignorant okay Think of some other adjectives anyways um, And and they're using a lot of profanity and a lot of perverse things they would look at and talk about and and what look at This person. What do you think about that? How about that look at this? Uh, and and I'd say not for me. That's not for me. That's that's I love Kara. I love my wife We're not, I'm not going there. It's not for me. That's not my style. Uh, when i be at uh, other functions at the job after, the job I came from before here uh, and on a, on a boat or something for a work function and my boss's boss like, just try this beer, just try it. Who's going to know? Who cares? Just a sip, just try it. Fresh bottle, open. I said, not for me. That's not me. That's not my style. Whatever you need to say, that's, and it's just not me. I have no part of that because I'm a child of God. And, and flesh wants to do wrong, but really it's not who you are. You should have no part of something that has nothing to do with you. When you partake in sin, that's against who you are now. You are born again. Come on, somebody nod or something. got real quiet in here. That's weird. Uh Uh-oh, I should preach on this more. Uh, You know, that's not who you are. You should have no part, have no fellowship with the works of unrighteousness, with those works of darkness. That's not who you are. And when you walk in the Spirit, that is a really fulfilling way to be as a Christian. How miserable, miserable it is for a Christian to walk in the flesh. I think even more so than an unsaved person. Because not only is you know pleasures and sin for a season, there's always regret. But for the child of God, that's not that's not who you are. It's just not you. All this sin, this is what Jesus had to die for. And I accepted Jesus Christ by faith. I'm walking in the Spirit. One day I'll live with Him forever, and, and He's got a plan for me, and He's got a will for me. He's trying to lead me, and I keep going back to the slop. I uh, this is not me. This is not my style. This is not who I am. Right, holding it up. This doesn't fit me anymore. Whereas before, maybe that was who I was. It's not me anymore. And when you walk in the spirit, it really reflects your true condition. Look at verse 24. That's what I'm talking about. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. You know, that that verbiage there, that's not that's not on accident. That's intentional, because when Jesus Christ was crucified to the flesh, he crucified the power of sin in your life. Don't lie to yourself and think that you've got, you know, boys will be boys, or it's just something I deal with, it's my besetting sin, you know, I'm just going to have to live with it. No, 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 no. It, it's a struggle, but God saved you from that power of sin today. He wouldn't tell you to walk in the Spirit and be holy if it was impossible. He made the way by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Can I get an amen? Get somebody do this for me. See, stretch a little bit say, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise the Lord! All right, that's what I'm talking about. Be like Jesus, you belong to Jesus. Uh, remember Ezra last Sunday night when uh, they got off of the temple and then Haggai preached to him, Zachariah, and they got back on the temple and the people that had made them stop in the first place walked up and they said, what are you doing? Who said you could do this? And they said, what do you mean? They said, who is your master? Who do you serve? Who are you answering to? They wanted to go to the top to stop this project. And they said, oh, we serve, you remember who? The God of heaven and earth. And that's who you serve. You don't serve the world, you don't, you know, we, you don't answer to, to Joe Biden, you don't answer to your flesh, you're not subservient to that, you answer to God. The God of heaven and earth is the one who's in charge of your life. And when you walk in the Spirit, you're really reflecting who you really are. Okay. And then number three, finally, I know what time it is, it'll be quick. Number three, when you walk in the Spirit, it keeps you focused on Christ. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, if you are living in the Spirit, which you are if you're saved, You might as well walk in the Spirit because that's who you are. In verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Walking in the Spirit will always make you lift up Jesus Christ. Always. James 3, verses 14 through 16. There's a lot of verses we could go to to talk about this, but the Bible says, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Look at that. Look at those verses, okay? Soak those in. If you got bitter envying, and strife in your heart. So, so you're jealous of somebody, it's just, it's just you're all in turmoil. Don't lie to yourself, because verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, or fleshly, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. If you think you're walking in the spirit, but you've got bitter envying and strife in your hearts with other believers, don't lie to yourself. It's, that doesn't come from God. Uh, walking in the flesh glorifies you, walking in the spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus Christ. In John 16, Jesus said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself. And that's the Holy Spirit. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now this quote that I put in there by George Sweeting, This little quote will help you so much in discerning cults and religions and things out there. He says, Watch out for any ministry or person who claims to be led by the Holy Spirit but acts contrary to the Word of God. That's one thing. And beware of any movement or group whose focus is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points not to himself but to Jesus Christ. Now some of you might have thought, ooh, that that doesn't sound right. It is right. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not lift up himself. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Now we don't minimize spirit, we're preaching on walking in the spirit now. We'll preach every verse in the Bible. We should walk in the spirit. But when you walk in the spirit, you will lift up the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus will be on your lips. You'll glorify Christ. And Jesus Christ always glorified the Father. And that's how it is. The Holy Spirit always glorifies the Son. The Son always glorifies the Father. You read through the New Testament with that in mind, it's really illuminating. But the the Holy Spirit will keep you focused on Christ. And then finally, and I'll I'll be done, I wanna repeat a warning to you uh, that we have looked at before. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Now, when I really meditate on that verse, that's a pretty serious urging. Because it says there, it implies that you can quench the Spirit. What does quench mean? It means like extinguish. You've got a fire extinguisher here, one back there. They're all over the property to keep us safe. Why is that? If a fire springs up, we want to extinguish that as soon as we can because that flame will will spread. The Holy Spirit is likened unto fire. We know all that. But it means that you as a person, me as a person, us as a church, we can actually, now think about this, think about this, and I'm almost done, we can hinder the work of God with what we choose to do. We can actually get in the way of the will of God. That, that's pretty sobering, isn't it? Now, some of them say, well, if, you know, if it's God's will, it's going to happen or not. And I understand what they mean by that. And in a way, that's true. But think about this. It's God's will for who to be saved? Everybody. Is everybody saved? No, because they're not following the will of God. It is actually possible for me or you or somebody to quench the Spirit's working. And that's so scary. Isn't that scary? God has a will for your life. And you can miss it if you say no to the Spirit and yes to your flesh that's, that's mind-blowing. It's that's very sobering, very humbling. And I don't mean to put more power in your hands than you think you have, but, but listen, it's a real deal. It's a real thing. Look, God wants to do something with this church. Would you agree? If I didn't think so, I wouldn't be here, right? And if I didn't think that God's got something to do with the New Testament church, I would do something else with my life, not just at this church. I would go rent cars or something dumb like that, right? Just something to pass the time and make some money and try to get the biggest house I could and whatever nonsense that's gonna burn away with fervent heat at the end of the world and I'll pass away and leave nothing. But, but I think there is a work that God wants the New Testament church to do in this age, the same as when he ascended and said, go into in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even in the other world. And he went up into heaven and that mandate has not changed. It doesn't matter just because there's so-and-so in the White House and there's riots in the streets and, and our our dollar is gonna be worth nothing and going on and on and, and look what the public school is teaching and that doesn't mean that our mandate, there's COVID, it doesn't mean that our mandate is over to get the gospel to people, the Holy Spirit is still touching people's hearts. Imagine this, imagine, just imagine that the Holy Spirit is working on somebody's heart right now about receiving Christ as their savior. You know he is, you know he is. And that person gets sent across your path. And a conversation ensues and you, because you're too busy or because you're too embarrassed or whatever, you choose not to mention the name of Jesus. You don't invite them to church, nothing. You say, you have a good day. And there was a wide open opportunity. You felt the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. You did. Maybe you forgot a track, but you could at least say, hey, you should come to my church sometime. I Great church. You love our pastor. He's amazing. No, but you, you invite them to church somehow, and, and, uh, and, they, and they go away, and that Holy Spirit was working in their hearts. God always uses people to reach people. You say, God's going to do what he's going to do. Yes, God always uses people, though. He always uses his church, born-again people in this church age, to reach other people. What a responsibility. What a responsibility to keep sin out of our lives so we can hear the Holy Spirit's leading us. There's nothing more important in our lives than telling somebody about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit convicts, it's all God that does the saving, but wouldn't it be great if he would use me and you to bring them to that point of salvation? Just by mentioning the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit's working in their heart. The Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. Hey, mention Jesus. Hey, invite them to church. Ask them to go to church anywhere. See if a conversation happens. And you just say something real casual. Hey, I appreciate the service today. Here's Here's a little invitation to my church. It's got some encouraging verses in there. And you take it from there. They say, oh, that's great. I've been looking for a church. Well, that's great. More importantly than going to church, there's some verses in there tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. See the response? Wow, how about that? Is that something you ever thought about? Do you know for sure if you die today that you would go to heaven? Do you, do you know the Lord? Well, I guess I don't know for sure. I got to assume right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. The church is here to reach others for Jesus Christ. Quench not the spirit. It's bigger than me and you. It's bigger than, than yours or my pet sin, our preferences. It's, it's a bigger thing. And 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 when we walk in the spirit, there is no limit to what God can do with you, the impact you can have for Jesus Christ. Walk in the Spirit. I could go on, but we have a responsibility to walk in the Spirit. When we do, we'll be in fertile soil for fruit to grow, we'll be reflecting our true nature, and we'll be focused on Christ. Let's pray.